Amen. All right. I want to draw your attention to those last few verses. So after this story, we see where uh, Moses, he's taken way too big of a responsibility on himself. This was going to hurt him and it was going to hurt the people. Okay. He brought, he led a massive group of people out of the children, uh, out of, of Egypt and there was going to be conflict amongst people. And so he's judging everything. As a parent, have you ever been just wore out from just breaking up stuff with your kids? It, it, it can wear you out. So imagine what Moses is going through. So his father-in-law sees this. He's like, this is the problem. He's like, you need help. And in verse 25, it says, Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And they judged the people at all seasons the hard causes they brought unto Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. And Moses let his father-in-law depart and he went his way unto his own land. So this was very good uh, advice that Jethro gave to Moses. He needed help. He needed judges because you know one thing we can be sure of in a society that's made up of imperfect people is that there's going to be conflict. And when a conflict comes, it's important that it gets resolved. We need to resolve these things. We need to be able to bring things to a conclusion. And civilized societies, they've always had judges or something that's a similar. They, similar. they might have not have called it by the same name, but something like judges. And civilized people, they understand that we need laws over us. And these things that uh, they force us, if necessary, to follow certain things. Otherwise, we're going to have anarchy. Okay, and look, you all know how I am about the government. All right, I'm, I'm I'm against the government as much as anybody, but we do need some government. Okay, it's not all bad. Not everything they do. Now they do a lot of bad stuff, but there are some things they're supposed to do. And a lot of times we get so you know bent out of shape at the government that we'll even start bashing the things that they are actually doing right and the things that they should be doing. And we do need laws in this country because just you know, imagine. All right, let's just think for a minute. What would happen? If we have two people, or what can happen with two people where nobody ever steps in and gets things resolved, all right? Let's just go back. You know, let's go back into the 1800s. You know, let's go back when you got, you know, the Hackfield, you know, Mr. Hackfield and Mr. McCoy, you know, they have some dispute over each other and they start fighting. And, you know, it's just between them at first. But, you know, they never get it resolved and they start having kids and their families start growing and, you know, their family hates the other family. And it just becomes this big feud that can go on for years and years and it just never stops. And then by the time it's all said and done with, people don't even know why they're fighting anymore. They don't know what the problem is. You know, the problem is nothing ever got resolved. Nothing ever got fixed. And that kind of thing used to happen a lot back in the day when there wasn't a lot of law and order, when you didn't have judges and you didn't have people enforcing laws. And we see in the Bible that there were some times when everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. That is dangerous. And every time you see that in the Bible, it was always really bad. And Judges chapter 17, verse 5 says, And the man Micah had a house of gods, and he made an ephod, a teraphim, and consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. In those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Okay, now, that was wrong. Levites were the ones that God called to be the priests. But this guy just decides, you know what? I want, to, I want to have my own religion. I want to have my own gods. I want to have my own priests. And you know what? I choose my sons. And you read that there, you know, I don't see that's a big deal. People can do what they want, you know, religious freedom. That's not how things were supposed to be in Israel. That's not how things were supposed to be done. And the reason this guy was able to get away with it 
is because there was no king in Israel. There was nobody enforcing any laws. Everyone was just doing that which is right in their own eyes. And I'm continuing on with uh, this series of messages on righteous judgment. And what I want to talk about this morning are righteous judges. Okay? We need judges. And we, there's some things that we need to understand about judges. Some things that are very important. Some very important principles in the Bible I want to share with you today that I think will, will be a big help. One of the reasons we have an, an intrusive overreaching government is because of the fact that people, they don't understand what government's role should be. They don't know what the Bible teaches. And if we would understand these things and if we would practice these things, we wouldn't have the type of government that we have. But unfortunately, because people just got away from the Word of God, they don't understand what real government is, what righteous judges are. We allow a lot of wicked stuff to go on that causes us to just hate all government. And it's not all bad. So a judge's job, you know, it's not to do what he thinks is best. Okay? This is something we need to understand too. We have this with our judges, even in our Supreme Court. We have these judges who what they do, they call it legislating from the bench. Where it's like, I'm the judge, I'm the Supreme Court justice, you know, I've got all this authority. I can just do what I want to do. But a judge, they're not supposed to judge off of their opinion. Now, that's what we do today. That's what all of us like to do most of the time. But a judge should be above that. A judge, they do not just do what they think is best. They are supposed to follow the law as it is written. That's their job. People are naturally partial where laws are not partial. People are naturally emotional and judges are not supposed to be emotional. See, what, what happens with us, if we have conflicts with people, whenever there's conflicts, all right, let's say that your kid gets in a conflict with another kid in school. Well, do you think that you as a parent are the one that probably should judge that situation? Probably not, because you're probably going to be partial to your child's side of the story. Okay? And a judge, that's somebody that we have, somebody we've appointed position. We need somebody who's impartial sometimes to step in and say, listen, we've got some laws that deal with these things. Y'all are too emotional right now to get this right. This is what the law says. And I'm the one that says this is going to be done this way. We need that. It's important that we have that. And we need to recognize that the fact that we do need them. Look at Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14. Turn over there to Joshua 24 and verse 14 says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, He is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us and all the way wherein we went among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord for He is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord for He is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he have, he have done you good. 
And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. Okay? Joshua's talking right here. Now, get, get what's happening here. Joshua's talking and he's telling the people, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm calling on you as a leader of, of these people to choose who you are going to serve. And the people are all coming together. The people are all saying, we will serve the Lord. And he's practically trying to talk them out of it. You know, you can't serve the Lord. Y'all don't know what you're in for. He's a holy God. He's going to consume you if you won't listen to him. And they're all saying, nay, we will serve the Lord. The people are all saying this, okay? And look what it says in verse uh, 22. And Joshua said to the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now, therefore, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and took a great stone, and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, every man unto his inheritance. What has just happened here with these people is as a group, as a society, as a community, as a nation, they all decided that they were going to serve the Lord. And so what does Joshua do? He writes it down. He writes down a statute. They set up a stone as a testimony. All right, we have all agreed as a people that we are going to serve the Lord, that we are going to follow His ways. We're going to do what He said He can do. And y'all are witnesses. We have now locked ourselves in to a position. And you realize that's what societies have done for the millennium. The millennia. They have gone through... And they have written down laws and they said, we will hold ourselves to these things. We will put these things over us and we will follow them. And they would also appoint people who would force them to follow those things. And we, our own nation did that. We have a constitution, don't we? And that constitution that we have, men came together and they all talked it out. They, I mean, they, they hashed everything out and they wrote down a constitution. They wrote a law and they said, we are going to follow this thing. All of our leaders today, you know, they swear to uphold the Constitution. That Constitution, it ha it's supposed to have greater authority than our president. It's supposed to have greater authority than all of our Supreme Court justices and all these people that have all these power. Why do we do these things? Why would we write these things down and say we will hold ourselves to these things? We do that because we people recognize that we're sinful, that we're emotional, that we make mistakes, that we mess up, and we have to find a way to hold ourselves accountable. People have always understood we have a sin nature. We've got some problems, and so we have to find a way to keep ourselves in check, and we do that with laws. And we use, we have people that enforce those things so we will not mess up because we are naturally wicked. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. We live in a society today that tells people, you know, just follow your heart. Just do what you think is best. Just, you know, do, you know, 
follow the heart. Whatever feels good, just go ahead and do it. That's a bunch of foolishness right there because the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And thank God we've had people in our past that were smart enough to recognize that and say, you know what? We are going to have a Republican form of government. We are going to have, which is not, and when I say Republican form of government, don't think that has anything to do with Republicans today. Okay, that's a republic. It's a nation that is governed by laws. Okay? We're, not, we're not supposed to just be, we were not set up to be a true democracy where it's just whatever the will of the people is. We can't trust the will of the people because people are wicked. Our heart is wicked. And our founding fathers understood that. And so they had a Republican form of government, one governed by laws, and they were, these laws were written and we were supposed to hold ourselves to these things and sadly we're losing this. Sadly, these things are going away, but we need to at least get this. We need to understand that we've got to hold ourselves to laws. We are lawless in our hearts. The Bible says it's, our heart is desperately wicked. Wicked means lawless, just no laws. Some of the modern versions, they've changed that to the heart is deceitful and desperately sick. Okay, there is a huge difference between sick and wicked. All right, huge difference. When you're sick, you know, you just can't help it. When you're sick, you know, you got something that's working against you, you know, but wicked, that's that's our own problem right there. We're just lawless. We don't want to submit to laws. We don't like laws. We don't naturally like it. We don't like rules, do we? And so uh, that's that's because of our wicked heart. It's desperately wicked. Who can know it? And we're foolish to trust ourselves. Proverbs twelve fifteen: The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Laws they'll protect us from uh, they'll they'll protect us from others, but they'll also protect us from ourselves. Proverbs twenty one two says: Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the heart. So, you know, a fool is one who's going to follow his heart. A fool's going to just do what he thinks is best, but a wise man, you know what he's going to do? He's going to hearken unto counsel. He's going to follow righteous laws. He's going to submit himself to the Word of God. And that's wisdom right there. That's what we should do. And civilized people, they've always appointed men whose job was to enforce these laws. Look at, uh, turn over to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. This is important that we understand this. Romans chapter 13, verse 1, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. I want to, hopefully I can explain this right in this message. Some words, they get, misused, they get used a lot and they get used in a wrong way. But I want to try to, to straighten out the words ordaining and calling of God. This is something we need to pay attention to. But notice these powers that are ordained of God. Okay, There are certain positions that God has appointed, that God created, that God has called for us to have as a people. Verse 2, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of that power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon them that do evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For, for, for this cause, pay ye tribute. This is why we pay taxes. Also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing, 
Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So we see that one of the, the purpose of government it is to punish evildoers. Okay? So how do we know what evil is? How do we know what people need to be punished for? We have laws. We write laws saying you're not supposed to do this. You know, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Well, what if somebody does it? Then we punish those people and we punish them severely. And other people will see that and say, you know what? I don't want to do that. That's what it's supposed to do. We've got a lot of laws today that are all about preventing crimes from happening. Okay. I think that's wrong. I think we should just punish those who break the laws. You know, instead of spending billions of dollars to build a wall, why don't we just actually enforce our laws? And if that doesn't work, then let's just make harsher punishments. Why would we spend billions of dollars? I hate to be political, but you know, why would we spend billions of dollars to try to prevent a law from being broken? That's not what the Bible teaches. And we've got our government does a lot of that. They spend all this money to try to make sure certain things don't happen. How about we don't spend any of that money? And how about we just punish the daylights out of people who actually break the law? That would be the wise thing to do. That's what God instituted. That's what God called for. But that's not what people are doing today. You know, why can't we just make laws and everyone agree to follow it? You ever thought about that? Hey, I know how we can stop all the gun problems and the shootings going on in schools. How about we make a law telling people you can't go shooting people? Now, now, why doesn't that work? And isn't that what our government wants to do every time there's a shooting? They want to go make more laws. Now, turn over to Galatians chapter 3, verse 15. I want to show you something here. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 15. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not in the seed as of many, but as in the one and thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say that the covenant which was confirmed before God in Christ, the law which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. There's confusion here because God made a covenant with Abraham, but later laws were added. And so the question comes, did those laws that came later, were those getting rid of that covenant that God made with Abraham? And that, and that was not the case. But verse uh, 19 says, Wherefore then serveth the law, it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come. You know why we have all these extra laws? It's because of transgressions. Because people won't follow the laws that are given. And if we're not willing to follow the laws that we have, then more laws are going to need to be created. Unless... We will actually, like I said, punish the daylights out of lawbreakers, which is what needs to be done, which is what God actually called for. And the more lawless we are, the more laws we're going to continue to need unless we put down those who will not follow these laws. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 17. All right, now, please allow me to say a few really harsh things right now that might make you a little bit uncomfortable, all right? But then let, but make sure you hear me out before you think, man, this guy's just a bloodthirsty cutthroat, you know. Uh, I'm not like that. I don't like blood. Uh, I, 
I can't even imagine being a doctor and cutting somebody open, you know, to help them. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a cutthroat. But look what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 2. If there be found among you within any of the gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee, a man or a woman, and hath wrought wickedness in the sight of the Lord thy God in transgressing his covenant, and hath gone and served other gods and worshipped them, either the sun or moon or any of the hosts of heaven, which I have not commanded, and it be told thee, and thou hast heard it and inquired diligently, and behold, it be true, and the thing certain that such abomination is wrought in Israel, then shalt thou bring forth that man or that woman which hath have committed that wicked thing under thy gates, even that man or that woman, that sh and shalt stone them with stones till they die. At the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death, but at the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death. The hands of the two witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterward the hands of all the people, so thou shalt put away evil from among you. Did you see what God called on to keep evil from among them? He said, you know what? If they do it, if they transgress these laws, and you find out that it is in fact, they did in fact do it. You've got to confirm it. Don't put anybody to death for one witness out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. But if you find out they did it, you know what you need to do? You need to bring them out, and you need to stone them with stones to put evil away from among you. Now, you might hear that and you think, I don't like that. I, don't, I wouldn't want to go stoning people. I don't want to go killing people. Okay, all right, let's, let's not do that then. All right, We haven't been doing that for a long time in our country. And so what do we have? Because we do not severely punish evildoers, we have evil multiplying in our country. I mean, we have murders, the school shootings. I mean, just all these things, just wickedness after a wickedness, multiplying, growing greater and greater. Why? Because we don't punish evildoers. You say, well, that's just cruel killing a murderer. You know, that's just cruel, you know, leaving stripes on somebody. But is it more cruel to just let these people go and continue killing other people? Innocent people? I mean, some blood is going to be shed. Do we want it to be the bad guy or the good guy? And you, you don't have to like this stuff. You know, you don't have to be comfortable with it. But just understand, if we don't, as a people, deal with evil, then it's only going to spread, it's only going to grow, and there's going to be more bloodshed, and there's going to be more harm. And we need ministers over us who will punish those who break the law. God said in Romans chapter 13, verse 4, you know, He is a minister unto thee for good. This is a good guy. He's a minister. We ought to have respect for these people that do that. We ought to pay them. They ought to get, that's where our taxes ought to go, to paying these people to put down the big guys. And you know, we shouldn't need police out there, you know, trying to prevent crime, you know, laws from being broken. But we do need somebody to punish those who break the law. You know, we do need police, or whatever you want to call them, to maybe go run down some of these people and to track them down. We need people in our society, you know, that are carrying guns and that have the authority to go and shoot some people that need to be shot. They're doing these things on our behalf. And it's important that we have that because, you know, think about it. What is it that keeps us in line many times? We know the police are out there. Okay? That's what keeps us driving the speed limit. That's what keeps us from running the stop signs and running the red lights. That's what keeps us from beating up somebody when we're just in a fit of rage sometimes. The thought that there's people out there that our society has appointed to carry guns and uh, handcuff people and to throw them in jail. We actually need some of the, We actually need some of that. It actually is a good thing in some cases. 
And the Bible says in Psalms or Proverbs 19.25, it says, Smite a scorner, and the simple will beware, and reprove one that hath understanding, and he will understand knowledge. Smite the scorner. We're not going to look at all the places in the Bible. There were many things in the Bible that you were supposed to give people stripes for. Okay? Now, now think about this, all right? Just, I know how we are as Americans. Don't think I'm, don't think I'm bloodthirsty. But, you know, most of us would not be comfortable if, we, if some shoplifter got taken out in the public square and they bared the guy's back and they started giving him lashes. All right? We would, most of us would probably be pretty, you know, disturbed by seeing that. Okay, so that, that's cool. I don't think we ought to do that. Okay, well, because we don't do that, you all have to pay more for all your stuff. Because you, Walmart, they got to have security systems. They're paying people to just watch for thieves. They've got all these cameras. And things. We shouldn't need those things. You know, you've all got to have all these security things in your cars. You know, we've got to lock our doors. We have, why do we have to do this? Because we're worried about thieves. Well, do you realize if we actually did things like that, there wouldn't be as many thieves. If you went, you took your kids, when they go, and we've all had that where our little kids maybe took something that didn't belong to them. You know, how do we teach them not to do that? We take them to the town square and watch them, let them watch the guy get beat for doing that. Listen to him scream. Let him look at his back. You say, that's terrible. That's mean. But you know what? It stops the evil. That's what actually works. You know, giving them a slap in the wrist and locking them up in jail. Some of these people's lives are so miserable. Jail's better. Jail, they get three square meals. Jail, they have all these rights. And we wonder why they continue to do this wick, this wickedness that they do because we don't deal with things like the Bible says. And God told us we need to appoint people to do that. Now, I don't want that job. I don't want to be the guy, you know, whipping somebody. I, I haven't got it in me. All right. But there's some people I'm sure that would gladly do it. And it Bible says, smite a scorner and the simple will beware. Everybody's going to see that. I'm not doing that. Some of you might remember that story years ago where that guy went, he was over in Singapore or someplace like that and he graffitied the cars and he got caned. I made a decision. I was just a teenager when that happened. I made a decision that day. I will never graffiti cars or graffiti anything in Singapore. I made a decision that day, and I haven't been to Singapore, but I promise if I go there, I won't even think about doing graffiti. I won't even think about it. But you know what? People do it here all the time. You know why? Because we don't do anything about it. When I was in Jordan, they said, if you get, they said they don't have drunk driving in Jordan. Because if you get pulled over for drunk driving and the cop finds out that you have, you're drunk, he will shoot you right there. Oh, that, you know, we got to have due process, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think we ought to have, I think after they prove that he, you know, did it, after he goes to a court, then they can shoot him. Yeah, but that, they don't have drunk driving over there. You know, we say that's cruel, but we would rather just continue having innocent people getting killed by drunkards all the time. And we're going to continue to see that happening because we do nothing about it. We do nothing about it. And, well, you know, we slap them on the wrist. We take their driver's license away. Maybe we put them in jail for a little while. But is that working? No, it's not working. We're going to continue to see innocent people die because of drunk drivers. We're in places like that. They, they don't have it. We don't have drunk driving. That's what he said. And everybody's like, well, yeah. And then he told us how they deal with it. And then we're like, yeah, we believe you. <laughs> and I wouldn't, drunk, I wouldn't go drunk driving in America because I'm a Christian. 
But you know what? I wouldn't go drunk driving in Jordan just for fear of my life. And I think that uh, I think there's something to that. So when it comes to being a judge of any kind, we need to understand that these are positions these, that are callings of God that are not just for anyone to jump up and take. Okay, these positions they're ordained to men. Turn over to Hebrews chapter five and verse one. Now, when I say it's a calling of God, I don't mean calling like you know you've got to have this vision or this feeling come over you and you just know it's God's calling on your life to be an executioner. All right, I'm not saying I'm not saying that or you know you you were in a church service and you went forward and felt like the Lord was calling you to be a judge. I I'm not I'm, that's not what I mean when I say that. But in Hebrews 5, when we talked about this on Wednesday, it says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now, I don't have time to go through all the Scriptures on this, but you need to understand that there are certain positions that God has called for, that God has told us we need. There are people, there are positions, we need judges. God has called for us to have judges over, over us. God has called for us to have different people in charge. God has called for men to be the leaders in their homes. God has called for mothers to be an authority over their children. God has called for these things. God has called for certain authority structure. He has called for certain uh, leaders of different things. And God has also, in those callings, have said, this is the job and this is who qualifies for that job. Now, we're going to talk about this next week. Okay? When it, but when it comes to positions, okay, when it comes to uh, positions of leadership, they are not just things that we just jump up and say, yep, I am that. We, we do not declare ourselves that. I cannot just get up today and say, you know what? I have decided that I am now a judge. You may all call me your honor. And I'm going to, I'm going to judge matters. And I can't just do that. I can go and I can put a sign on my office door saying, Judge Tommy McMurtry. But here's the thing. Is it legit? Okay. No. These positions are ordained of men. Okay. Men appoint you to these positions. I can't just declare myself, you know what? I think Rock Falls needs two mayors. I'm, I'm, I'm mayor number two. I have equal power with the other mayor. I can't do that, can I? I have no business doing that. Now, if our community wanted to come together and say, you know, we need two mayors, okay? Because two heads are always better than one, right? You know, I mean, you know, every, everything with more than one head's a monster, they say. But let's just say our community did that. They could do that. But I have no right to just stand up and declare that. That's not how these things work. And so, uh, when I say a position is a calling of God, what I mean is it's a position that God has set up. And we shouldn't just make up new positions that have no basis in Scripture. You know, that that's not right. You know, ordained of men, it means a position. It's not just up for grabs for whoever wants it. It's something that's given to you by men or from some form of government of the people. And so suppose I'm Mr. Nobody. All right. I'm Mr. Nobody, but I want to be somebody. Where do I go to become a somebody? You know, what organization, what organizations qualify as legitimate? You know, what organizations are out there that can make me a somebody? Because I do. I just want to be somebody. Well, first of all, it should be an organization that God called for. Okay? You know, God called for the home. 
God called for the church. God called for you know human government. God called for those things. All right, those are uh, legit positions. You know, it should be an organization that remains within its realm of authority. Okay, I am the head of my household. Okay, I can beat my chest about it all day long, but that authority I have does not transfer into your household, does it? I don't get to come, I can go to my house today and I can start making all kinds of rules if I want and start doing certain things. But do I have any business to come into your house and do that? Absolutely not. Okay. And uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, it should be an organization that remains within its realm of authority. It has to be an organization where people are willing to submit and be a part of it. Okay. Now, while I'm the head of my household, I've got to be careful that I don't just go home tonight, you know, this afternoon and just start beating my chest and all right, I have decided this is how things go, you know, and then I just start throwing out orders and because you know what, if the people aren't willing to submit, it's not going to go real well, is it? So, you know, uh, just because a lot of people think because I have the title, I can just do whatever I want. Well, here's the thing. When it comes to a leader, you're going to have people that are following you, and so you better use some wisdom. Alright? I better not just go home and declare, you know, that my enforcement me- mechanism and getting my wife to do what I want her to do is the back of my hand. You know, I mean, that, that's probably not going to go real well. That's probably not going to be real wise. And the Bible doesn't teach us to do that. You know, the Bible talks about loving your wives and be given honor unto them as unto the weaker vessel. But you've got to understand that if you want to be a big shot, you've got to find a way to get people to be willing to submit to your authority and whatever it is that you're going to do. And you also need to have the ability to enforce those rules and stop higher powers from coming in and stopping you. Okay? So I can do it. I can go to my house today and I can say, you know what? I'm the king of this house. I'm the king of, you know, of my house and of my three acres of property and I have declared spousal abuse completely okay. And I start backhanding my wife. I'm kicking my kids around, beating the snot out of all of them. And you know what? I can do that. I can get away with that as long as I am able to stop higher powers from coming in and stopping me. And that's probably going to happen too, all right? Word's probably going to get out. Some of you are going to see my wife coming in every week with a new black eye. And, you know, you're going to be like, hey, something's going on. And you know what? Until I'm able to fight off those powers that are out there, um, you know, I'm not going to be that big of a big shot. And so you need, to, you need to have that ability to stop the higher powers from coming in and stopping you. And so the truth is, what I'm saying, when it comes to... Being a judge, you know, having some kind of role, being a big shot, these positions, they're not just up for grabs for just some goofball to come along and say, I want them. They are chosen by the people. They are appointed by people who have said we will submit. Okay, that police officer that, you know, wants to pull me over. Is am I saying when I pull over and I submit to his authority that he's better than me? No, what I'm doing, I'm just I'm submitting to those laws. I might be a better person than that policeman. I might have better morals. I might be smarter. I might know more about the law than he does. But you know what? As a good citizen, I ought to be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to submit. And if I want to, I can run from him. If I want, I can run. When he tries to pull me over, those lights come on. I can I can gas my truck and 
but his car is probably going to outrun mine. He's going to come after me. He's going to call for a bunch more police. And you know what? All those police are going to do, you know what they're all going to do? They're all going to pull me over. They're going to probably rough me up a little bit. They're going to handcuff me. They're going to throw me in jail. And you know what? They're going to get away with it. And you know why they're going to get away with it? Because our community has decided that, you know what? We're going to follow laws. We put these people in the position and the people are probably not going to rise up and stop them and demand that they let me out of jail. Y'all realize when they're doing these things, they are doing these things on behalf of the people, aren't they? And they have a right to do that. That's what we have, we have put them there. We have called for that. We have asked that. We have put ourselves, we have submitted to those authorities because we understand that we need these things. We need righteous judges. And we'll get more, next week we'll get into more specifics on what a righteous judge is and as far as, uh, you know, who qualifies to be in those positions. But these are real positions. In our world today, we've got a lot of people that want to be big shots. They want to have some kind of voice in this world. But sadly, for many, uh, for the, you know, sadly for them, many people in this world, they're just not interested in being a part of their big fantasy. Said, I can do that if I want. I can go and, you know, when, when we started this church, I didn't just, it wasn't just Tommy McMurtry that said, you know what? I'm going to start a church in Rock Falls. I was actually sent out by another church. They sent me out. And after that first year, we had a congregation of people. We had several people that said, hey, we want to be a part of this church. And you know what we did? We chartered. We organized. We became an independent Baptist church. But do you all realize that that when we formed as a church, it was not just me declaring it. It was a congregation. Many of you that are in here today, we all got together. We organized. You all recognized me as the pastor. We ended up becoming independent from our sending church. And we are now our own organized body. And if I want, I can get up here and I can start beating my chest. I'm the pastor and I can start granting myself all kinds of authorities and privileges that uh, maybe the Bible doesn't give. I can declare myself you know, access to all of your checking accounts uh, for when I need things. I, I, could, I could get up here and do that if I wanted, but guess what's probably going to happen? You as the people are not going to submit to that. And, and, and you shouldn't. And, but, and you're going to move on and leave and then, you know, then here I am just beat my chest calling myself a pastor, but there's no people. And that's just foolishness right there. And a lot of people are doing that. They're always declaring themselves head of these things. You've got preachers out there. They're try, they try to form these fellowships and denominations always with themselves as the head, as a way to lift themselves up. And that's fine. You can do that. If I, if I want to be a big shot, I could go ahead and say, like, right now, I'm going to form this association of independent, fundamental, you know, all these adjectives, Baptist. And I'm going to declare myself the head of that. I'm the president. And I can do that if I want, but you all realize there's not much to it unless other people are willing to come forward and say, yep, I'll be a part of that. We'll submit to your leadership. And in this organization, if you're going to be, if you're going to be a pastor and you want to be a part of my association, I have authority over your church. I can tell, I, I will decide the doctrines 
of your church and you will follow them blindly. Okay? I can stand up and I can declare that if I want, but you all realize it doesn't really matter if nobody's willing to submit, if nobody's willing to listen. And the truth is, in something like that, God didn't even call for that. And if I do, if I want to just start making up positions, organizations that God never called for, I better have some enforcement mechanism in place that can stop outside forces. And if I can't do that, you know what? I'm just not legit. You know what I am? I'm just Mr. Nobody walking around declaring myself a big shot and I don't matter worth a hill of beans. And there's a lot of people out there like that. We shouldn't be, you know, in the real world and even in the Bible, a person could not just be anything they wanted to be. They had to be qualified and they had to be chosen. And so you can have your fantasy world if you want, but just don't think God's in on it. Don't act like God's in on that. And we need to understand too, when it comes to certain positions, while we might not like a lot of our judges, while you might not like your policeman, you might, your neighbor might be a policeman. You might know he's an idiot. But do you understand if he tries to pull you over, you're supposed to pull over. Because the people as a community, we've decided that we're going to submit to these things. We're going to follow these things. And we need laws. We need judges who are over us who will tell us what to do because we're a wicked people. Our hearts are wicked and we can't trust ourselves. And then doing these things, it's being submissive. That shows wisdom. That shows humility. And I believe God will bless that. So, well, what if we get wicked leaders? Well, you know what? We need to pray that God will get rid of those and if we do, if we want to help get rid of them, which I think is fine, we need to go through the process. We need to cause them to lose in the next election or, or whatever's got to be done. We've got to follow the process. We don't just get to do what we want. If I decide I hate our mayor, I hate him. I don't even know who it is. I don't even know him. But if I just decide that I hate our mayor, I don't have the right to just go and remove him from office. I can go and I can throw a fit on social media. I can post all kinds of nasty stuff about him on Facebook. I can insult everyone that ever voted for the guy. But you know what? I've got nothing to cry about when nobody cares. And when nobody pays attention. And when he continues being a mayor, when he continues doing what he does, until I'm willing to go through the proper channels and the proper process, I just need to shut up. And you know what? If I do go through the proper channels and the proper process... Not everybody might agree with me. And I still might not get what I want. And then you know what I've got to do? I've got to walk away and just deal with it. And many people can't do that. They're going to, they, just, they throw fits. And we need to understand that not, while a lot of things have gone bad in our government, it's not all bad. Many of these things are good and they're biblical and we need these things in our lives. And so I hope this, this was a help to you. Next week we will look at you know, who these people should be. We will look at uh, qualification for for judges in this situation. So I hope that was a help. Let's pray, dear Lord. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for uh, the examples you've given us that we can follow. And I pray you'll help us to do these things and you'll help us to have uh, the right kind of leaders and the right kind of government. And I pray that we will uh, have the wisdom to submit ourselves to these things so we can avoid a lot of heartache and a lot of problems in our life. I just thank you uh, for that. In your name we pray. Amen.